0: um all right well so uh we are in first or second corinthians chapter uh, eleven. Second corinthians 11 is where we've been if you have your bibles we'll go there and jump in and we've been talking about credible christian warfare which that's been the last two chapters and in chapter 11 we're talking about the battle to corrupt our credible christian purity so you know the devil wants to knock us out it's been a couple of days since we've been here so um If you how many of you don't have an outline, and you want one, all right. Amy, Joe, where's my wife? She ran off. Okay, she's left me. Um, So uh, she's had enough. So I don't blame her. Uh, No. Did I fire her? I need to hire her back really quick. Yeah, with a bonus. Double it and add twenty. All right. So um, when she gets back in, uh, I'll try to get her rounded up. She does. She's the keeper of the outlines tonight. So we got to about point number three on that outline. So um, I don't know. She's probably a staple, and maybe it's more than one page. I don't rem- remember. But um, we're talking about the battle tonight. We're going to pick it up on the battle. Uh, to corrupt our love, Second Corinthians eleven three through four. So let's just uh, start by reading Second uh, Corinthians eleven one through four, and you'll remember this passage is pretty familiar to most of us. From the Apostle Paul, it says, "Would to God you bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with a <clears throat> with godly jealousy." Uh, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. <clears throat> but I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if uh, he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another Spirit, which ye have not received, or another Gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest of apostles. And so let's start there. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for uh, this passage. Thank you for this godly jealousy that uh, Paul speaks of, this desire for us to maintain our purity uh, before the Lord Jesus. Uh, Very similar to what we're talking about on uh, Sunday with 1 John uh, and uh, being corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. Lord, we pray God that that would not happen uh, to us, Lord, that we would be set apart for your glory and, uh, Lord, we're all breathing today, so that means you have left us here for that purpose. And I pray, God, that there would be nothing that would get in our way today, uh, that we'd now allow nothing to keep us from honoring and glorifying your name. Lord, I pray, God, you'd stir up our pure minds, and, and Lord, that the Holy Ghost would uh, not be grieved or quenched, but, uh, Lord, be completely filled and at liberty in our lives tonight. Lord, that the Word of God would dwell in us richly, and, Lord, that uh, we'd have that joy that we talked about in First John this morning. We thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, Amy, Joe, we have about three or four that want handouts. So just raise your hand. If you're wanting a handout, uh, and I'll do a little... I'll be kind and rewind. <clears throat> and so we've been in uh, this text, First Corinthians or Second Corinthians, chapter eleven. And uh, you know, one of the important passages as, as the handouts are coming out, I'll just kind of stall for a minute. Uh, that we we kicked off with was Proverbs chapter four and verse twenty-three. It says, "Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life." And so, uh, when you think of warfare and battlefields and bombs, you know. Uh, that's really not what you think of, is uh, the the heart. But the reality is, in spiritual warfare, the heart is always what's the target. And so we spent some time talking about some of the things that get targeted. Um, and, you know, credible Christian warfare um, is is really intense. And so there's a competition. We saw in chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, a competition for our love, uh, corruption of our love, and, a credi- and the credibility of our love in chapter that's what we're going to see. And, and uh, this battle to corrupt our credible Christian purity uh, starts with this competition for our love. <clears throat> and it's been several weeks ago. And I'm not going to go through all of the details. So you guys can get the... Uh the, the handout later and get the blanks maybe later but we talked about the competition for our love how God is crazy for us uh, how God is jealous for us uh, how that the Apostle Paul was jealous for the church at Corinth or jealous for you the Apostle Paul is jealous for you and the and the pastor is jealous for you and we talked about how important it is to uh, you know continue in the love of God because we don't want to be beguiled from the simplicity uh, that is in Christ and so uh, point number, uh, you know, point number two, Roman numeral two, is where we're going to start off tonight. And so, we in the battle to corrupt our credible Christian purity, we saw the competition for our love. And tonight, we're going to see the corruption of our love in verses three and four. So, let's go back to our text and look at that again. Now, we've seen that Paul's jealous, and he says, "I fear" in verse three, but I fear. Lest uh, by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which we have not re- which uh, I'm sorry ye have not received, or another gospel which we have not uh, accepted, uh, which ye have not accepted, I'm sorry, ye might well bear with him. Uh, Now what is Paul talking about here? Point A, Satan wants to subtly corrupt God's authority. That's the first thing that he's pointing out. Satan attempts to corrupt us by attacking God's authority. Uh, And you notice he says, I fear. Now God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but what? Power, love, sound mind. That's right. First Timothy one seven. So, uh, or is that Second Timothy one seven? Second Timothy, Second Timothy one seven. So God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. But Paul says, "I fear." Well, that's in the context of he, he fears that they will uh, lose their purity. Right? That's what he's concerned about. and He's given us how that would happen. It's the same way that Satan beguiled Eve. So Satan attacks uh, to corrupt us by attacking God's authority, which is obviously. God's word. We've been talking about that on Wednesday night. All he has to do is get us to doubt God's word and he has us right where he wants us. I just spent the morning talking about that as well this morning. There's all kinds of caveats and ways to get people to doubt God's word. The devil's pretty shifty. And it's impossible to have faith without the absolute standard of God's word, right? So somebody quote me Romans ten seventeen. I'm sure somebody here knows it. Elizabeth? I'm no, just kidding. Kinda. Uh, the first word is faith cometh, or two words: faith cometh. By hearing, hearing by word. That's right. First, uh, that's uh, that's uh, Romans ten seventeen. Faith cometh by hearing. So then, I actually, I think it's so then. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we get faith through the Word of God, right? Jesus Christ, uh, His written Word, or, and, or, the Word, capital W, the Word incarnate, the eternal Word, our faith is in the Word, no matter how you cut it, His mind, His person. Um, And so uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word. So even before Jesus was incarnate, God spoke a word. Jesus Christ is God. He says, hey, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was his word, and of course, what happened? The devil comes in in Genesis three, and we won't look at it tonight uh, in too much detail. But we will look at it in a minute, and he corrupts. So it's impossible to please God if we don't have faith. Uh, that's important. So Romans, look at Romans chapter fourteen. Turn over to Romans fourteen. I didn't include that in your outline, did I? I mean, it's there. It's listed. It's listed, but it's not. Yeah, let's look at it. Let's lay our eyeballs on it. Let that text sink into our eye sockets. Somebody want to read uh, Romans 14, 23? That's a wild passage. So, he that, that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. I remember many years ago, a friend of mine came across that passage, and it just rocked his world. It's like, wow, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And, uh, of course, this is dealing with uh, you know, not have, having a clean conscience before God in the sight of men. As Paul was like, look, man, if, if it offends you to eat meats offered to idols, then don't eat meats offered to idols. All things are lawful, but not all things are Expedient, right? So that's the context in which he's talking about that. But there's also that principle: whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Uh, that's one of the, You can find several definitions of sin, by the way. In First John, we're going to find one. All unrighteousness is. Sin, whatsoever is not of faith is sin, All right? So an example of that really is what uh, Paul was talking about in the garden, or what Paul was referring to in regard to Adam and Eve in the garden, particularly Eve in the garden. But before I jump to that, in Hebrews eleven, look at that text. It says, uh, "Somebody grab that and read that." Eleven six. Amen and amen. So in this passage, for the record on the tape, it says, uh, or the recording now, digital, there is no such thing as tape. but, uh, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is... And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So in, in verse 6 of Romans 11, you see, a, you see an interaction here. You see a connection between um, our volition and God's, uh, and God's will. Uh, you can see that very clearly. Because without faith, it's impossible impl- to please him. Who is him? That's right, the Lord Jesus, God. It's impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is. So we have to believe, there is something with our volition, we have to believe the information God has given us about himself That He exists, that He is, a, by the way, Jehovah is self-existing one, That's that He is God. you got to believe that He is. If you don't, then you're, you don't have faith. Uh, that's again a lot. Of, I, this is rolling in my mind right now because of what I was studying for First John. But when you get to Gnosticism and critical theory, whether it's critical text theory or critical race theory, whatever you want to look at, basically it's all an affront to that very principle. There is no God, and uh, and so it's an, it's when there is no God, there is no faith, and it's an assault. So God's not going to bless that, right? Because you got if if you come to God, you got to believe that He is. And, right, that then you've got to believe in His character, that He is a rewarder of them, but diligently seek Him. Right? If you don't, it doesn't just say that seek Him. It says diligently seek Him. And so, uh, again, it, there's an emphasis on the fact that there needs to be a, a, a heart a heart impetus right uh, there needs to be a, a desire in our heart now obviously uh, god's pretty gracious and if you give him a little bit he'll take it <laughs> but uh at the end of the day it, it's it's we, we can't just sit here and go well when god wants me he'll come and get me you know it's like the old the old thing about uh, the guy that's in a flood right and he's on the roof of his house and he prays oh god come and save me and the boat comes by and he says uh, sorry i prayed and god's going to come and save me and then uh the uh, I guess the helicopter comes and they're like, "Hey, uh, come on, you know, we need to get you off your roof." And he's like, "No, nope, I prayed that God would would come and save me." And then of course the the water overcomes and he drowns and he's uh he's like, uh, "God, I thought you was going to save me." He says, "Well, I sent a boat and a helicopter. I don't know what else you want, <laughs> right?" There's a, there's a point in which you got to you got to work with what God's given you, right? You got to have a desire, a volition uh, to hear His word. And, and believe that he is. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, this issue of being a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, at the end of the day, that's, that's, this is how I boil it down just practically in my life, is one of the ways the devil uh, tries to, to pull that chair out from under me is dealing with God's character being good, right? God is a rewarder. It doesn't mean he rewards on your time or in your, in your way, but you got to believe that God's character is good, that he will reward you according to his will, in his way, but his character's best, His his uh, like the old TV series before, you know, many eons ago, Father Knows Best. So God knows what's best, and he will reward us, right? So then what we're doing is putting, faith is really putting stake in God's character. When we talk about being diligent to seek him, what we're saying is we're putting, we're taking his character, we're taking his word over what even we may see around us, and we're trusting God, right? We're putting our eggs in his basket, We're saying, you know what, I'm going to put my eggs in his basket and I'm going to trust him that he's going to honor his word. It's not us. It's not us earning favor with him. It's him honoring his word, honoring his promise. We don't get saved because of good works. We get saved because he did good works, right? So we trust in his finished work. And we believe that he'll reward us because, well, that's what he says he'll do. Because uh, he is the one who is the propitiation for our sins. Okay, so point A, just understand that Satan wants to subtly corrupt God's authority Right, He just wants to undermine uh, And when we talk about that He wants to undermine our faith That's why in Ephesians chapter 6 we got to have a shield of faith Right, That's what quenches all the fiery darts Of the wicked It's the shield of faith And so He doesn't say well I'm going to get you here I mean, it's subtle it's Oh yeah he's subtle Right and so that's why Paul uses uh, And that's a good point that it's so subtle That's why Paul uses that that phrase in second corinthians eleven isn 't it so so let 's look at genesis three six for just a moment i, I i've been kind of beating around the bush uh, a little bit, but let 's go ahead and jump into that and uh, i'll i 'll try not to tarry too long here um, Genesis three and verse six. You guys know the passage. You know the the drill here. Uh, in this this passage, the, the the command is in verse seventeen uh, and eighteen. Right? The Lord God said it's in verse eighteen. The Lord God said it is not good that man should. Uh, be alone. Oh, I'm in the wrong verse. Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So he says that after he gives them this incredible promise of all the trees of the garden, now mayest freely eat. And so they got access to everything. But he tells them, and he gives them the reason. Right? It's not like he's holding back. He actually tells them the reason not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why is that? At the end of the verse, verse 17. Thereof, Very good. The day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now just think about this for a moment. So God did not hold anything back. He didn't withhold information from them. He didn't give them... It wasn't like He withheld knowledge from them. Right? It was the devil convinced Eve that he was holding back knowledge from them, but he gave him the knowledge, the day that thou eatest thereof, This is why, first of all, you can have everything. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient, Right? So don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because that is out of bounds. If you eat that, you will die, but it's up to you, Adam and Eve, don't do it. I told you not to. Have faith. The only thing, they only had one commandment, right? I mean, only one thing. And, and that was it. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he tells them, because if you do, you're going to die. I mean, he doesn't hold back information even. He gives them what they need to know. So what Satan did was very subtly uh, is convince them, well, what he's really saying is, well, God's not being truthful with you. He's insinuating. God's not really giving you all the good, so God's holding back on you. And, of course, that's not true. That's a lie. But he's a liar and the father of it. So he takes and he twists God's word. And that's what Paul was worried about with the Corinthians, that people were twisting God's word to subtly beguile the church at Corinth. And so Satan will attack our minds through, of course, the lust of our eyes, the lust of our flesh, and the pride of life. In 1 Peter 2.11, the Bible says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So our fleshly lusts do combat the the soul. Uh, Even though our souls are sealed to the day of redemption, while we're in these carcasses, there is a war uh, that the the, the lust of the flesh can impact the soul. Uh, Not that we can lose our salvation, uh, but he says, man... uh, the fleshly lust, lust war against the soul. Having your conversation, right, your lifestyle, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall see, behold, uh, glorify God in the day of visitation. And so he actually encourages us in Second Peter 2 to think about the end game, Right? He's like, hey, think about this. Even when it's hard on you, make sure you walk in faith. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against your soul. And even when people are speaking evil about you, right? So they're going to go, when you won't go with them and you say, I'm going with God, then, do you know what? The vitriol is not only going to be against God, it's going to be against who? You, right? And then what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to count it all joy that we get to taste a little bit of what Jesus got to taste. And so uh, and so, he says, now, if you do this by faith, it may not feel good now, but you know what? When you get to heaven, it's going to be all right. God's going to make it right amy and i were just we were going down to Lee summit today and we were talking about things in, in our life and and uh, how we've responded or not responded and uh being soon angry and not soon angry and and how god has tempered our responses and uh you know what and it, we ended up at the judgment seat of christ and even at the second coming this guy this guy today uh, he got all mad at me you know and uh, it for no reason, you know, I don't even know what the guy's problem was out here at Raymore 58 highway. And, uh, you know, he's given me the business and I'm like, Hey man, you know? And, uh, and so, but you know what my thought was, I was like, you know, this guy, um, you know, I, I don't want to have to come back and crush him like a grape. He needs to get saved, you know, Uh, because he's probably not a saved man. He's lost, and he doesn't know what in the world he's doing out here. Um, And so, uh, but you know what? People don't think about the end game, but that helped moderate my temper. The reason I tell you that is it helped moderate my response because in my flesh as a man, I'm like, hey, what's your problem? You know, because Amy's like, calm down. I'm like, I'm calm, you know. And on it to be honest with you, I had a bad attitude. I was like, Man, I'll come back and crush this guy like a grape. And I'm like, I don't want to see that happen. I want him to get saved and so God was able to move my heart <laughs> and kinda get it right as we as we traveled down the highway. And uh and uh and so uh, but you know it's so easy. The devil's quick, man. He can get into under our skin in a hurry. Uh, but we got to walk by faith. So Satan will attack our minds by questioning the significance of our life through the pride of life as well. So there's the lust of the eyes. I think we're all familiar with that. Gosh, I mean, all of us. You know, here's the. You can get anything you want right here. You want to see it? What? Whatever you want, just dial up on this device. Lust of the eyes. Uh, lust of the flesh. Pride of life. Right. So. The devil's doing a good job of filling our minds full of uh, junk uh, and superfluous information. But Satan will attack our minds by questioning the significance of our life through the pride of life. Uh, That's what a midlife crisis is. How many times have you heard about people having midlife crises? And you know, really, what that's called is pride and sin. Pride and sin. It's because people have not invested their life in things that are eternal. And so they get, they're get, they like, is this all there is? And their, their youth is escaping, and they don't really get that life is a hand breath. It appears for a little while, and it vanishes away, right? It's like a, it's a vapor. And so, uh, you know, the, when we realize and we wake up, wow, I haven't invested my life in the things that I should have, then there's all that regret. And they try to satisfy it with their flesh instead of following the Lord and letting God redeem the time. I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, but they were talking about, oh, it was Chris, uh, Chris uh, Cohen. It was just talking about how God has redeemed the time and how God has changed his life. I think it may have been at the deacon installation. Uh, what an incredible testimony that is. And when you do give your life to following God, he'll redeem the time. Right, and so it's important that we uh, understand that Satan desires to corrupt our mind, do the the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, which is found in uh first John two sixteen so so Satan point C desires to corrupt the simplicity that is in Christ, so he wants us to add something to Jesus' sacrifice, right, like the work like works or uh, the Eucharist or another gospel, another testament. Etc. Uh, Etc. Cetera, et cetera. So he is. It is the simplicity of Christ which keeps our minds pure from evil. It's the simplicity. Uh, Paul had a pure, simple focus when ministering the word of God uh, in Second Corinthians chapter one. In this, in our text, if you go back to verse twelve, to go back and look at that for just a moment. Second Corinthians chapter one. So we're in the eleventh chapter. Uh, go back to the first chapter. And somebody read verse 12, 2 Corinthians 1, 12. Amen. Thank you, Belinda. So, uh, he says, "It It is the simplicity of Christ which keeps our minds... Well, I said this. It keeps our minds pure from evil. The Lord said through Paul, For our rejoicing is this... The testimony of our conscience that in simplicity, there's that word again, and godly sincerity, not with fleshy wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation, our lifestyle in the world and more abundantly to you word. So we're behaving ourselves godly in front of the world, but even more so in front of the body. That's what he's saying through godly simplicity. So let's let's, kind of unpack that for just a minute. So there's attributes of not being simple. In our love for the Lord God, and that's also found in this same verse. If you just kind of deconstruct it, right? If we're insincere about the things of God, well, guess what? Then we we are in a situation where we are not we're open we're open to be beguiled from the simplicity that's in Christ. If we are not sincere, right? Because he says, "Man, you have you have godly sincerity." So guess what? Insincerity is going to open up the door for Satan. Right, He also says that uh, not with fleshy wisdom. So conversely then, what will open the door? Uh, well, fleshy wisdom. Being beguiled from the simplicity that's in Christ. Uh, well, don't be sincere. If you want to be beguiled, don't take the word of God seriously. Don't be sincere. Just goof off. Just be an idiot stick about it. Just fake it till you make it. Right? If you really want to be beguiled, just it's a joke. Just don't, don't take God's word seriously. Goof off all the time. There you go. Satan will have an opportunity. Uh, that's one way. Secondly, uh, you know, rely on your own wisdom. Don't rely on the word of God, which is really, it's just coupled, right, with being insincere. Don't rely on, rely on fleshly, fleshy wisdom. Not fleshly wisdom, fleshy wisdom. That's an interesting word. Um, well it is fleshly wisdom I said fleshy wisdom. fleshly wisdom so that's wisdom that comes from our flesh remember the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh right? Uh, and then the last thing is is don't have grace right? don't extend anyone any grace because well gosh you haven't gotten any grace from the Lord God hasn't been gracious to you he hasn't given you every breath you've breathed and every heartbeat that you've had he hasn't brought you into the planet he hasn't kept the solar system in order he hasn't done anything for you so you don't do anything for anybody else Right? so if you walk around with that kind of attitude and and we're if we are in now I know you guys are all in but you know what it's easy we can slip into that real subtly if not outwardly inwardly and Paul's like man we need to make sure that that uh, our testimony is that of godly sincerity of of not having fleshly wisdom, right? And being full of grace. Paul, that's really what Paul was all about. His wisdom, uh uh well his sincerity uh was he was sincere as a heart attack. He was all in for Jesus. His wisdom came from the word of God and he was full of grace. Man, what what else do you need? I mean, really. That will that'll help that will help defend you uh from the subtle attack of Satan that will beguile you from the simplicity That's in Christ. Because remember, that's what Paul says. He says, For our rejoicing is the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshy wisdom, but by the grace of God, we've had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you. So, again, I hit the point this morning. Be foolish enough, be crazy enough to simply believe that God has provided you his word in your language, especially all of us English speakers, and it's preserved for you, and you can believe it. And you can live your life by it, and God will take care of you, and He will give you the promises that He says He'll give you. If you do that, man, you're, the devil's going to have a hard time throwing you off course. And so, there's some so simplicity means, by the way, singleness, or we might say today another word for singleness is focus. Focus, grasshopper, right? And so, David Carradine has put that in our uh, our consciousness, at least if you're like under 60. All right, so. Um, and so so simplicity means singleness uh, so that we might be focused. Satan wants us to confuse us, as he did Eve, with complexity in our relationship with God. And I don't know where you're at tonight, but maybe, I, I doubt in this room, everybody's all bound up with complexity in their relationship with God. But that's really what Paul is saying, is don't allow something to come into your life that makes your relationship with God all complex and heavy. Right? That's exactly what he, he brought something in and injected a question about God's word. And it made her, Eve's relationship with God. all. She got all nervous and complex. And she ended up adding to the word of God. Right, She added something that wasn't there. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't need to do that, Eve. God takes care of himself. You know, You can take the fruit. You can handle it. You can throw it at him. You can kick it. Whatever you want to do. But you just can't eat of it. She's like, oh, we can't touch it. So she got legalistic. She added complexities that were not there. She added things that weren't there, and that's where the devil came around and got her. So the, he's smooth. He's a smooth operator. He knows he's had a long time to watch us humans, and he knows how to work with us. So uh, so be careful with that. Know know that God only has a heart for you, and that you you only have to, and that you you should only have a heart for Him. Now that's easy for me to say, uh, and it's harder for us to do because we got to guard our heart. Remember. Because out of it are the issues of life, and the devil wants to get in our heart, he wants to find ways in our heart, and so let's make sure that we are sincere about the word of God. so I'm really about out of time, but i want to I want to finish this point, so I'm going to do it. Uh, point D: Satan desires to corrupt our relationships, oh man, oh man, So back in second Corinthians chapter eleven. In verse 4, he says, For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. And that sounds a little confusing. And Paul goes on to talk about his own uh, credibility in verse 5. For I suppose I was not a wit behind the very chiefest of apostles, uh, but though I be rude in speech, not in knowledge, but we may, but we have been thoroughly manifest among you in all things. He's basically saying, I'm the real deal. Uh, but go ahead and listen to these other guys. So Paul is what he's doing here in verse 4 is being sarcastic. I'm glad he can be a little sarcastic because I think all of us like to be sarcastic every once in a while. So Paul, Paul sarcastically suggests that the church at Corinth should bear with the foolish false teacher if he has a better message than the Apostle Paul and a better lifestyle. But you know what? Paul knows that he doesn't. Right? So he's being a little sarcastic. Satan has nothing to offer but falsity. And that's basically what Satan is saying, or Satan is saying. That's basically what Paul is saying, is you ain't going to get nothing from these guys. He's being a little tongue-in-cheek. He's like, you might bear with them, right? Maybe this guy's going to have something I don't, right? But in reality, they don't. So Satan wants to corrupt our relationship in three ways. Uh, in 2 Corinthians eleven four, 4, uh, he wants to bring another Jesus. Name, name some churches or some groups that bring another Jesus. I just mentioned some this morning the mormons right he's they say i just talked to a couple mormons uh... the other day that a couple guys call me and uh... and then i don't know why a couple girls called me the other day and i'm like hey girls and and uh, they're like yeah you want to meet for bible study and i'm like no i'm a married man and then they're like no no we mean in a group in harrisonville and i'm like oh okay no and uh, why not and i said well because you guys preach another jesus and so i told them all about it and of course uh... They wanted to agree to disagree. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to agree to disagree. I'm just telling you, you really need to consider what the Bible says in Galatians one eight. We went through that and all of that. So uh, at the end of the day, they have another Jesus. And I asked them, don't, don't you believe that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer? Well, yes, we do. I said that's what I thought. That's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus is the creator of Lucifer. Lucifer's a cherub. Jesus Christ is God. You know, there's a big difference, and uh, and so uh, of course they believe that that Jesus that among a lot of other heresies, uh, and the fact that they got a whole another testament for another Jesus, right, which we're not to receive. So Mormons are like that. Jehovah Witnesses um, um, they have a they have a Jesus that's a not the same one we're following. So, uh, any others? Yeah, Islam. Yeah, Islam. yeah that's. Yeah. Yeah. Islam's uh, this. Uh, I mean, it's amazing the parallels between Islam and Mormons, yeah. actually. Huh? The Muslims believe in Father Abraham. They do believe in Father Abraham. Uh, but they get off. Uh, up, of these stones can raise up children in the That's true. He can do that, and He has. And, uh, I was reading Romans chapter 5, and God's talking about no, or no, it was chapter 9, and God's talking about no, uh, not, not children of the flesh, children, the, the children of the promise. Yeah, Amen. Get the yeah, children of promise. It gets back to faith, and, um, and also God's Word. Oh yeah, they sure do. If you really boil it down, it is it's Zeus and so um, so there's another spirit as well. So there's another there's another Jesus, another spirit so New age religion uh, that's been popular. You go down to Sedona, Arizona uh, and it's packaged in different ways. A lot of the Eastern religions also it's another spirit or spirits I might add plural. Uh, Wicca is pretty popular around these parts, right? A lot of deity worship, female deity. Wicca is all about female deities. And uh, and kind of a lot of Norse mythology and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, uh, another spirit, you got to watch the charismatic movement. Uh, you ever watch the little Kenneth Copeland, you'll know what I'm talking about. That dude is off the hook, man. And uh, a lot of extra biblical revelation, meaning bringing in revelation that's not based out of scripture. Man, that's dangerous. Uh, so, try the spirits, see if they're of God. And then there's another gospel, right? And we, when you think about another gospel, we think of Mormons and, um, you know, Mary Baker Eddy. That's another one. Christian uh, scientists and stuff like that. Um, even Scientology, which is a not... By the way, Scientology is a good example of Gnosticism. That's a group of elite people that keep their uh, their own knowledge, and they're really not interested in winning people. Um, you know, unless you're Tom Cruise and you got a lot of money. Um, but uh, anyway, that's another story. There's another group... Um, Oh, gosh, what is the name of that? I'll, have to bring, I'll get it for the next sermon and i get to that. But anyway, um, another one that we really, a gospel that, that people don't think about, it's really rampant in Africa, big time. It's called the prosperity gospel, right? So we're pretty affluent in America, so the prosperity gospel doesn't have the traction that it used to have even when I was younger, like in the 70s. Us people got a little more sophisticated. The assemblies of God have kind of uh, modulated and moderated a little bit. You know, they keep the tongues and stuff for Sunday night. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, word of faith. because they teach you little Mm hmm. TD Jakes is a uh, part of that. TD Jakes and uh, Kenneth Copeland. Um, there's a lot of those, I don't, I don't think that the dude down at the Epcot, what is the, uh, the smiley guy, is he a word faith guy? Yeah, he is. He's definitely, us. Olsteen. Olsteen, yeah, 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 Joel Olstein, your Beth, best life now all that, so, uh, but you know, another gospel is Education. Uh, that if you if you worship at this uh if you if you get all this knowledge which there's nothing wrong with getting knowledge I was clear on that this morning but it can beca- it can become a religion um, and so be careful and there's also a social gospel right and so you got to be careful of the social gospel and again it, it's not, not all these are bad that's that's the real that's why we're talking about the devil how he's subtle he doesn't always use the big bad scary false doctrine sometimes he use something good And to replace what's best, right? So it's not that this is bad. It's just that, you know what, he'll take a good thing to replace the best thing. So we just have to be very wise, right? There's nothing wrong. Hey, there's nothing wrong with feeding the homeless. There's nothing wrong with helping people, uh, you know, that need physical help. And all of that, we should do all of that. That's part of, that's undefiled and pure religion, right? We should help the widows. We should, we do all that. We're supposed to do those things. There's nothing wrong with that. There's not, But... That we, you know what real subtly what the devil does is he'll take he'll take out the gospel of grace and replace it with a works based gospel or a knowledge based you know gospel if everybody just learns all this then we're all going to be okay we all need to be enlightened. Right? Well, there's some truth in it. Remember, every good lie has some truth in it. We all do need to be enlightened, but we need to be enlightened with the light of God's word, right? And not with man's wisdom. So again, there's these subtleties. And that's what Paul's worried about. He's like, hey, church at Corinth, be careful. Don't be beguiled from the simplicity that's in Christ. And when someone else comes and preaches another gospel, be careful. Satan wants to tear your family apart by beguiling the unstable souls in our homes. So the adversary has a bullseye on you. But not just on you. We have a few big men on the campus here, but also on our wives and also on our children. And uh, if you don't think that's true, you really don't understand how serious uh, the adversary is about destroying you and your house. And so we need to really be serious and understand this, and 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 not be simple. We don't want to be beguiled from the simplicity right with insincerity. It's like, okay, just talk, 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 preacher, get over, time to go home. Okay, now I'm going to go do what I want to do. Now, I'm not saying that to you guys. I'm just saying we're all like that to some degree. You know why? Because it's religion at that point. And the reality is that God brings us together as a family, especially when you're reading 2 Corinthians 11, verses 1 through 4, to warn us. say, hey, guys, there's a real battle going on. We need to be on our A-game because we got a real adversary. So if you do nothing else, um, firm up our, your relationship with Jesus so you can walk in the Spirit and clearly understand and, uh, and place your faith in the Gospel of Christ. Now, I presume everyone here is saved. I hope everyone here is born again tonight. And uh, if you're not, I can help you with that. So let's reconstruct what I just said. So, um, we need to make sure we're walking in the spirit, uh, so other people, right, can see our conversation. Because Paul, I don't think that Paul was doing anything wrong, right? He's like saying, "I've had a pretty good godly conversation." In, in what we saw, like I'm, I'm living the life that I'm supposed to live, not only in front of the world, but even more with you guys. But yet, you know what? There were still people that were coming in. That's what Second Corinthians is all about. Still people coming in and circumventing Paul's influence. Godly, simple influence. Focused influence. With some other means around the truth. And Paul's like, man, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that you're going to be beguiled from the simplicity that is in Christ. The focus And so I think in this time of history in which we live, man, what a great time to think about what it is to be focused. When you think of simplicity, that's almost a negative thing in our culture. To be simple means you're kind of a well, you're kind of an idiot stick. You kind of don't have it all together. But uh, but the reality is, what Paul's saying is not to be dumb. He's like, be focused, grasshopper. Right? Uh, Every major engagement. If you go into battle, you go into war, you go into... I like MMA, as long as it's really good, high-quality athletes. I don't like to see people getting beat up, but I do like to see the combat part of it. And all those dudes got to focus. You, you go in there distracted, I and mean, look at the Super Bowl. You know, Chiefs roll in there, all distracted. Coach's son hits somebody out here on 435. It's all messed up. Man, you know what? They were, they were horrible. And so why? Because they lost their focus. So let's stay focused on things above, not on the things of this world. All right. So we talked tonight about the battle to corrupt the credible Christian purity, uh, the competition for our love. Remember, we talked about how God is crazy for us; His love is crazy for us. That was several weeks ago. Now we're talking about how the the devil wants to corrupt, right? That love, uh, the corruption of our love uh, through these factors and, and robbing us from the, the simplicity that's in Christ. Okay. Any questions or comments? B, what was B? Satan desires to corrupt your mind. Any other blanks you guys need? I see. C, Satan desires to corrupt the, corrupt the simplicity that is in Christ. Anyone else? Bueller? All right. God's good. I'm so thankful. Be praying. I was just in the pastor meeting. We were talking about praying. Be uh, a prayer for some of our disciples. I'm talking about being beguiled. We have disciples, young disciples, and I'm not going to name names, but you know, some of them are kind of not as here like they used to be. So be praying that the devil isn't getting a hold of them and dragging them away. You know what I mean? That's important because he likes to take young Christians and have his way with them. So uh, it's like a roaring lion. Alright, I need to, I need to, uh, how many have you got? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Is, are you praying? Is that 14? That's better than number of rebellion. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Alright, so there we go. I'm gonna. Yes. Oh no. Oh. Evie. Evie has a um. Lymph uh, not lymph lymphoma. Non, it's Hodgkin's lymphoma. Man, we have a ton of people. This is great. only a few of you're going to have the blessing of two cards. So, it's going to be a one card night. So So what am I doing? I'm just going to collect them all back up again and hand them out. So Anyway. Here I'll take a couple. There needs to be a couple couples. Couples couples. Yeah, but it's mainly one single single cards. All right. So as Jeff, thank you, Jeff. As Jeff is handing those the prayer pieces out. um, Excuse me, huh? One per. You'll get toward the end and need. There's probably three that need, or two, two or three that will need to go double. Okay.